Hello, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host of the Clinician's Roundtable, Boondocks Medicine, Dr. Andrew Krakowski. With me today is Dr. Barry Cunningham, a pediatric dermatologist from Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Cunningham. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. So we've heard a little bit in past segments about your work in xeroderma pigmentosum and your physical trip that brought you from the United States to Guatemala. Now you've sort of set the stage for us. We've heard what it was actually like being in the small town where you were doing your work. Tell us about the people that you have been asked to treat in the town itself. Well, this is a small town of approximately 300 individuals. So it's a very, very small remote village, which is part of the problem because its remoteness is one of the reasons why this gene has propagated and stayed in this village because each individual family that is affected has limited choices in terms of who to reproduce with because it's so remote. And so the gene stays in the community and the disease is then propagated ad nauseum. Each subsequent generation is affected at the same degree as previous generations because there's no dilution effect. So when we reached the village, we were told that there were approximately 25 children that had xeroderma pigmentosum. We were able to physically meet and examine and treat nine of the children It's unclear whether or not there are other children who are in the mountains who did not come out, who were too ashamed and stigmatized to come out of their huts. But in any case, we did examine nine children who were affected, and that was six families with nine children. That's interesting. Was there a stigma amongst the townspeople that sort of alienated those who were not affected with XP versus those who were? One would think that there would be more of a stigma than I observed. Um, This is a very close-knit remote village where there's a lot of interdependence upon each other because it's so remote. And I did not really witness any evidence of these children being stigmatized. I thought that the families really pulled together and um, worked together and everybody knew about all the affected children. Nobody stigmatized them that I could see. Although, you know, the practicality of it was such that the more advanced children, the eight or nine-year-olds who had Several disfiguring tumors, which were infected on their face, were really limited in terms of their exposure to the outside world. These are children that were bedridden, never left their huts, didn't go to school, had limited intellectual and social stimulation, and really had absolutely zero access to any medical care. So just by virtue of the fact that they were isolated in their huts, stigmatized them to some degree and isolated them. So a town this isolated physically, socially, how does one back in the United States, even hear about a group of people that happen to have this very rare condition known as xeroderma pigmentosum for, it sounds like, multiple generations. Yeah, it's a really fascinating story epidemiologically, how they were discovered. Back in 1999, that was when their plight first became kind of publicized and the United States first became aware of these individuals. And what happened was some of the more affected children were brought to the closest village, which is Barias. And some of the physicians in Barias examined them and felt that because they had all these disfiguring tumors on their face, they felt that they probably had a form of leprosy. There was a lot of stigmatization. Nobody would examine them without masks and gloves and full gowns. And there was a lot of paranoia and hysteria, frankly, about examining them, even from physicians. But once again, thanks to Peggy Tuttle, the Good Samaritan executive director who was in the area at that time and had worked at the clinic for several years, she arranged for a charter plane to take the three of the worst cases to a government hospital in the city of Weiwei Tenango, which is about four hours from the village. 
And, you know, let me just say, to put these children, as she tells it, on a chartered plane with huge tumors emanating from their face, dripping with pus, completely blind, very, very disfigured, was a feat in and of itself. Because of the paranoia, they covered the charter plane seats in plastic, and the children were all wearing masks. And nevertheless, they got to Weiweitenango. One of the children had a large squamous cell carcinoma, which is a form of uh, advanced skin cancer, and was told that they couldn't help them, and she died after two months in the hospital. And the other two children that went to the clinic in Weiweitenango went back to the village unaided and and hopeless, and really nothing was done, and they have since died. And then over the next two years, Peggy Tuttle consulted other doctors. Eventually, she found a reputable Guatemala City dermatologist, Dr. Carlos Cordova, and he was the first to examine the children and say, aha, this is not leprosy, this is not contagious, this is not infectious, this is a condition that's genetically inherited, and this is XP, and this is all skin cancer. And so it took over three years of searching, but that suspicion led Peggy Tuttle to Dr. Jim Cleaver at UC San Francisco, a world's expert in XP, and Cleaver immediately recognized a phenomenon known as the Founder's Effect, which early settlers of the isolated area who arrived to the village, you know, approximately 100 years ago, must have carried the XP gene, and then it was spread through generations of intermarriage. That just blows me away. So it was really Peggy's perseverance at, at, at some point that kept pushing for an answer to this problem. Absolutely. It's been her perseverance that's led to the diagnosis and the answer and really galvanized, you know, the XP community to rally behind this village and and really do everything we can now that we're aware of this plight and aware of this suffering to try to do everything we can. And, and we really, really owe it to Peggy because this is an example of one individual can make a difference in the world. I mean, if it weren't for Peggy Tuttle's work, these children would not be looking at the kind of aid that we're talking about bringing them. And that's a perfect segue into what sort of aid are you bringing them? What, what, what were you doing for them while you were there? Well, what we were doing for them while we were there was completely inadequate, I have to say. I mean, we did what we could, but of course, this was primarily a scouting mission. You know, we were sent down there to kind of scope out the situation and see how bad the need was and then make an action plan based on what we discovered. Of course, we didn't want to go down there and just be passively gathering information. We wanted to make it a beneficial trip and bring as much aid as we could. And so we did what we could. Um, we brought sunscreen and we brought medication and we brought sun protective clothing for the children, and we brought medication to deworm the children whose bellies were full of worms, and we brought toothbrushes and those kinds of basic medical necessities. But it was completely inadequate, and, and now we know kind of what we need to do to try to really bring some sustainable medical aid for them in the future. We did do some limited surgeries. Um, I might add that this is a, a village where there's no running water and electricity, so we we're incredibly limited in terms of what we could do surgically. Explain to me a little bit of, of what sort of medications are out there to treat a condition like zero dermapigmentosum? Well, there's not a lot of options for treatment, and really the mainstay of treatment is prevention. But once the children are affected as severely as these children, there are some options. And one of the medications that we brought was amiquimod, which is a commercially available prescription cream, which is really quite impressive in the back doorway that it causes the skin to prevent and treat skin cancers, and it causes the body to upregulate the production of chemicals in the skin that can have anti-tumor properties. And so for these children who are riddled in skin cancers, it can help minimize the growth of the tumors that they have. But even more importantly, if used on a regular basis, it can prevent future uh, tumors from developing. Which I would imagine is extremely important in the pediatric population where you, and in a population with limited resources, obviously, where you cannot simply 
surgically remove every one of these lesions because there are, in some cases, hundreds. Exactly. What, what's the sort of quality of life for these patients? Well, the quality of life is something that being American, it's very, very difficult for us to even imagine how difficult it is for them. But for some of the children who are more advanced, for example, it's really difficult to put into words how much suffering and pain that they endure on a daily basis. So these are children that have learned to live completely blind with no running water, no electricity, no medical care, completely disfigured with skin cancers who are dripping with pus and have, you know, foul smelling pus coming from their face. There's no pain control. There's no Tylenol. There's no hope for them. You know, they're basically left in their beds, in their huts to just wait till they die. So seeing this kind of suffering is really an emotional experience for everybody on the mission. And it really inspired us to do everything that we can to try to bring support and medical therapy back to the village so that we're not just exploiting this village and you know, profiting from their suffering, that we really can galvanize the community to go back and have a sustainable surgical and medical team that will go on a regular basis and help them. And I'm looking at my notes. I have to ask, who is Chico? Chico is an individual who's affected with XP. It's difficult to say his age because it's interesting there. They have no calendars. And so it's difficult when you query one of the villagers how old they are, how old their children are. They have difficulty putting it into years. So we're always estimating how old any of the children are. But I would say he's approximately 13. He's an orphan. His father died of tuberculosis and his stepmother uh, since abandoned him and he's cared for by uncles. And the uncles are, as are most of the men in the village, are subsistence coffee pickers living on $3 a day. He's left in his hut. Uh, $3, $3, $3 a day. $3 a day. The cost of a Starbucks in America. That's right. It's appalling. Yes. He's left in his hut and he is covered in skin cancers. His nose is eroded away and he's completely blind now. And he's left to to his own resources. And sometimes he stays in his hut and sometimes he ventures out, which is against medical advice, but uh, who could blame him? And the team gave him a gift while you were down there. We did. We gave all the children with XP custom-made hoods, of course, that were hand-sewed by the individuals in the United States who are on the XP Family Support Group. But we also gave him and the other children portable CD players because it was felt since they had no stimulation and they were blind and Inside all day, it would be nice for them to have some music. And so we had classical and jazz and different kinds of instrumental music burned to CDs. And he it, it was quite touching to see the look on his face when he put the earphones on and could hear the music and lay in his bed, at least soothed by the music. You mentioned some of the other afflictions that he has. Comorbidity is common in this population? Yes. Most of the children are afflicted with various infectious diseases, as you can imagine. Simple things like clean water obviously are not a viable option for them. So they have a very high incidence of amoebas and different parasites and worms and, and the like, scabies, a lot of malnutrition. They're poor dentition. They're just very, very, very needy. Well, for a scouting mission, I have to say you've done a yeoman's work. What is getting done down the line? What, what do you see as something on the horizon for these children? Well, we have a lot of goals. You know, the mission was incredibly successful and it definitely served to produce enough work for many, many, many years. So we're very optimistic that we can go back to the village on a regular basis to try to commit to them at least what they would get if they were individuals in the United States. That's at least what we can promise them. So what that will entail, in addition to the education 
and teaching the families how to protect these children. It will also entail, hopefully, building some safe houses for the children, some places that they can go during the day that are completely safe from ultraviolet radiation, and hopefully build a school where they can be educated in a safe environment. Well, I want to thank Dr. Barry Cunningham from Rady Children's Hospital of San Diego, who's been our guest today, talking about xeroderma pigmentosum in a small town in Guatemala. For more information on xeroderma pigmentosum or the efforts underway to help the people suffering from this condition in Guatemala, please email Barry Cunningham at bcunningham at rchsd.org. You can also learn more about the XP Family Support Group by visiting xpfamilysupport.org or by calling 916-628-3814. Donations can also be sent directly to the Good Samaritan International Program, a tax-exempt nonprofit 501c3 organization, by emailing Samaritan1, that's S-A-M as in Michael, A-R-I-T-A-N-1 at gmail.com, or by calling 425-232-8932. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Krakowski. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. You can also visit the Boondocks Medicine crew at www.boondocksmedicine.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, when you're out there, be there.